Eight years ago, three nerds created a little independent wrestling podcast that could, but over time, that podcast has grown into not just covering wrestling, but all things under the nerd rainbow. From Marvel to the Muppets, from Frank Sinatra to Count Shocking, from Mickey Mouse to CM Punk. Now, here is some combination of Chad, Zach, and Luna as we welcome you to the IndieCast. All nerd, all the time, exclusively on the WNR. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the IndieCast. Uh, Chad Allen, Zach Romero, both here with you today. Zach, buddy, how you doing? Doing wonderful. Thrilled to be back in this subject. It's been too long. I know. We haven't had a guest in quite a while, and uh, we picked an interesting time since a hurricane just decided to leave our <laughs> yes. state. It's like, why not have a guest on now? So, uh, Zach, this one's a super exciting one for me because uh, I have a uh, we have a content creator here with us, which we don't mm-hmm. tend to have on too often. Uh, he has a, a YouTube channel called The Solo Promoter, which I found uh, many moons ago. I've been watching him for quite a while right now because he does a lot of Phil Singer game stuff. Uh, and obviously we've had Todd Gershell on about a billion yes. times, uh, Todd, our, our buddy there. So, um, but, uh, I'm excited to have him on and talk a little bit about, uh, his uh, YouTube channel and other games and the like he does, uh, Grant Pachoco from the solo promoters on with us. Grant, welcome to the IndieCast. Chad, Zach, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Happy Absolutely. to be here. So very nice. Well, uh, Grant, we start every episode the same way with uh, a little segment we'd like to call the lightning round. Uh, five rapid fire questions that we, uh, pretty much ask all of our guests, uh, and usually, uh, everything kind of falls off the rails by about question two. Um, <laughs> now the first one, I'm going to have to switch up a little bit because normally it's who trained you and when did you debut? You're obviously <laughs> not a professional wrestler. So when did you start the YouTube channel? Uh, well, um, I started it, man, I guess, I guess really I started it back in 2008. It's been up for a while. And if you go way, way back, um, I was doing some videos for my Phil Singer games fed. And it would just be like me as like a, as like the ring announcer or not ring announcer, but interviewer for, for my fed, just talking about what's been going on. And, um, so I've had this channel for a long time, but it wasn't until, uh, I think it was just before the pandemic, actually, that I I, start, I was like, you know what, I'm going to start playing these because gaming is now a thing and people do it online. And uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I, I didn't find a lot of Phil Singer Games content on there. There's, there was some stuff. Um, Steve Tower from After Further Review was playing Phil Singer Games at the time. and um, But I was like, oh, I can. And he was doing mostly Legends. So I was like, oh, I can put some Champions of the Galaxy up there and stuff like that. So. Kind of about two, three years ago is when it started in earnest. Very nice. Uh, now, question number two, uh, what is your first wrestling memory? My first wrestling memory was I was in fifth grade, I believe. And um, my best friend in school, Scott, sat behind me. And one Monday morning, I came in and sat down. And it was kind of like that time before the bell rang. And I noticed that Scott had like an entire group of kids all around his uh, desk. And I turned around and I was like, what What are you doing? What are you? And he had the program for WrestleMania 1 on his desk. Oh. And all the kids were, this tells you how old I am, um, but uh, all the kids were standing around him and were like, we're like, oh, and then, what? and I don't know, if, I don't think he, he might have actually gone to Madison Square Garden, but I, I guess he might've watched it on closed circuit. I'm not 
Um, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but anyway, that's kind of my first... I, did, I had no idea it existed. I was watching G.I. Joe, and I was in that world, He-Man, all that kind of stuff. And then um, that was the first time I remember hearing it. And then, shortly after that, my dad came home one day and said... Uh, we're going somewhere on Saturday night. Can you guess where it is? And I said, no. And then he would give me one guess every day where we were going on Saturday night. And then uh, finally, I, I didn't guess it because, as I said, wrestling really wasn't part of my thing And um, at that time. And uh, he took me to the Oakland Coliseum to see Hulk Hogan wrestle. And uh, I was hooked immediately. Like, just I, I had never experienced anything like that, and I was just super excited. And I just remember um, the the very <laughs> the very first night we went, my dad was a little upset because as we were leaving, he told me I could get one thing at the souvenir stand, and I bought a Rowdy Roddy Piper shirt. And he was nice. certain that I was going to love Hulk Hogan, but I instantly loved the bad guys. So <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, those, so so, Grant, you're making me excited here for two reasons. One, because you and I are very close to the same age, and I'm usually the old man on this show. So thank you for, <laughs> for joining me and being ancient and a wrestling fan. Two, nice job being an immediate Rowdy Roddy Piper fan, because as Zach will tell you, uh, Piper was my all-time favorite. And, yeah, I had Hogan stuff for a little bit at first, but then it all became Hot Rod stuff to the point where I even have a pictures of a birthday cake when I was a kid that was the Hot Rod logo. Uh, so yeah, hundred percent Roddy Piper fan. So well played on that one. Um, yeah. I just never, I, I never, I mean, you know, I watched Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling and I watched wrestling and all that stuff, but it's just, he was not, he, he was not the guy for me. I loved Roddy Piper, but my ultimate favorite of all time is uh, Jimmy Hart, the mouth of the South. He was, mm. he was who I wanted to, like, I went to career day in sixth grade, uh, we could dress up as like the career we wanted to have. And I dressed up as Jimmy Hart because I was like, this is what I want to be when I grow up. I can. Uh, have you met? Have you? I mean, this is out of the lightning round, but it's going to kind of fall in anyway. Uh, have you met Jimmy Hart before? I have. And um, I have a different YouTube channel. I have a personal YouTube channel. And if you if you search for it, there's a video of me. And Jimmy Hart and J.J. Dillon singing Eat Your Heart Out, Rick Springfield. I'm playing guitar. Yes. And That's the three amazing. of us are singing. So, yeah, I can send you the link to that or whatever. But it's here. I'm thinking do. Grant's going to be like, yeah, no, there's a there's like butt cam footage of me on my YouTube channel of like <laughs> me crying and shaking Jimmy Hart's hand. Not, oh, we were going to go on tour for a minute, but we couldn't get our <laughs> schedules to line up. Well, yeah, it was at a, it was at a meet and greet uh, wrestle wrestle fest or something like that. And you could pay to do a video promo with the you know, with different wrestlers. And I was like, well, I'm going to sing with Jimmy Hart. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> That's so. amazing. And, and that, and that completely beats my, Hey, I met Jimmy Hart at Hulk Hogan's weird restaurant. He had for like five minutes in Clearwater <laughs> uh, here in Clearwater, Florida. So yeah, you, you win. Uh, I, I have nothing to beat that one right now. Um, question three on the lightning round. If you were a wrestler, what would your theme music be? Mm. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Hmm. Wow. That is, I might have to think about that one for a second. If I was, I, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in California. That's where I currently live. And my kind of wrestling persona that, I mean, just wrestling with my brother, you know, of um, course we all had up, one. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, the California bodyguard. That was going to be my name. Um, 
Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why I thought that was my marketable. It's marketable. I've never said that out loud to anyone. I don't think before, but um, (laughs) yeah, the California, but so like the only thing I'm thinking right now, and it would be the lamest theme song is San Francisco, open your golden gate, but it can't be that. That song's, you know, (laughs) San Francisco, open your, you know, I'd be a much different wrestler if that was my song. Yeah, that's true. It'd be shocking. Um, Certainly. It would be, it would be. Yeah. I guess maybe Californication by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like if I'm sticking with that, uh, sticking with that thing. So you could uh, steal Matt Riddle's old uh, theme music when he was on the uh, independent scene, which was California love by uh, Dr. Dre and, uh, uh, and Tupac. Uh, Former uh, guest of the IndyCast and my dad's favorite wrestler, John Davis, once famously said, if you want good theme music as a wrestler, pick music that white people get turned to. So <laughs> he did say that. that words to live by. I remember when in that time period, there was a maybe a little bit later. There was. Yeah, because I was in high school, but there was a. One of the Van Halen with Sammy Hagar albums had like a, a B-side track that i always go this always this sounds like the ultimate warrior like this would be a great just the intro to this would be a great song so maybe that song too i can't okay. think of the name of it off the top of my head but there you go uh question four of the lightning rod we just passed halloween what is your favorite halloween candy uh reese's peanut butter cups um excellent yeah. choice that was a trick yeah. question and you passed <laughs> yeah that was that was he wanted only correct answer quite honestly and uh, final question of the lightning round, uh, and the big one always, uh, Marvel or DC and why? Ooh, well, um, I'm a Marvel guy, and I have been since high school, because that's I first got into comic books in high school. And um, I love me Batman, and I will read some Batman comics, but I just uh, enjoy the Marvel characters uh, a little bit more. Um, I, I had a huge comic book collection. I... Sold them all except for one, and that was Amazing Spider-Man 129, which is the first appearance of the Punisher. So that's the only comic uh, I still have left. But Daredevil's my favorite Punisher, and uh, Jamie Madrox, the Multiple Man, uh, is my other uh, character. Very nice. Yeah, his Peter David's run with X Factor just I yeah I was like this guy's hilarious. This guy is my guy. Wow. Who wouldn't Who wouldn't like to make duplicates of yourself? You get so much done. That's true. I wish I wish I'd known we were going to go that deep cut. I would have called uh, I would have called Rick Sussman from the Reed Pile in on this episode too, Zach. Uh, well, uh, Grant, you made it through the lightning round with flying colors uh, from here. Uh, tell us, tell give everybody kind of an overview of because, uh, like I said, for for the solo promoter, it's uh, obviously Phil Singer Games is what started it, but lately you have been branching out into. Uh, uh, other game types. So tell us a little bit just about the kind of the base idea of what what is the solo promoter channel. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, it's like I said earlier, I, I just wanted to start playing um, the Phil Singer Games products. I, I've I've played Champions of the Galaxy since like 98, uh, 97, 98, around there. And uh, Legends, since Legends has been, Legends of Wrestling, since it has been coming out. And um, it's really something that uh, it's it's the longest hobby I've really had that has lasted the longest. And um, I uh, I have two other YouTube channels that are monetized. And um, so I was just like, how do I you know, like I, I was like I was like, what else could I do? What other channel could I kind of start up? Uh, to make a third channel um, to to put stuff out there and and kind of make it monetized and uh, maybe um, and 
you know, t- I, and I was like, well, you know what? I love playing this game. And I know that there's people out there who love playing this game and searching on YouTube. There's there are there is Phil Singer Games content, but there's not a lot. Uh, so I'm just going to start doing it. And I've had a super fun time um, playing, but also kind of experimenting with what I put on the channel. So, um you know, uh, for for a while, I did a podcast on the channel where every Friday I would wrap up the news from Phil Singer Games and just like what's the latest announcements and what's happening, and um, and then for a while I, I've started like uh, just doing because YouTube Shorts is really big now, um, yes. and YouTube is really pushing YouTube Shorts. So to uh, I started making like short content. So it's oh um, you know Brian Blair card was announced for Legends of Wrestling. Um, for Phil Singer Games, so I'll make a short that just talks about that. Um, I don't think I did that one. I think I, uh, I, I started. I had a gig through September and October, so I haven't really. I, I've fallen off a little on producing content, but anyway, so just experimenting and seeing what works, and and as you said, trying different games. For a while, I was doing uh, the original classic Marvel RPG game, um, and I did a few episodes of that, and um, you know, just kind of throwing things out and and seeing what sticks. Very nice. And you've also done. um, Oh, go ahead, Zach. I was just going to have this is a very weird question, but I actually experienced something like this myself. So when you're dealing with certain um, card games like Phil Singer, for example, Phil Singer games has been around since like the dawn of time. And there's been rule changes and (laughs) different variations and things like that. Um, Do you ever go back to like way early or is there ever an inkling that you want to go back to like the way early drafts of some of these games that you're playing? And the reason I ask is a buddy of mine loves this like card game called Netrunner, which is like this cyberpunk kind of card game. Um, and like the modern version is like very calculated and, and a lot of that. But apparently there was like a first edition back in the 90s and mm-hmm. I found a copy of it and it was just trash. Every move was broken. <laughs> every card was like, and we've destroyed the game. And so playing the super nineties version had its own kind of charm. Do any of these games that you experiment with, is any, do you get called for that? Does that kind of stir within you of like, yeah, let me find the earliest edition and see how much of a train wreck this was. Or is it just like, let me play with the most quality of life. Well, uh, the Phil Singer games, uh, I will say that uh, Phil Singer games, the rules and the card layouts have kind of stayed the same, which I think is part of the reason why, uh, the game has been around for forever, True. uh, since 88 or whatever. Um, I mean, and there have been tweaks and I think the cards, uh, themselves for the individual wrestlers, um, cause that's the, the, the basic for anybody who doesn't know, but the basis of the game is that, uh, you have a card for each different wrestler and you can pit them against each other. And the, the way that they're built has kind of evolved over the years, but for the most part, they have stayed the same. There hasn't been like a major redesign, um, and, you know, some of the charts have had updates and things like that. But to answer your question, uh, when I was doing this channel, when I first started, I was just doing like current stuff, like what's my current Fed and everything. Mm-hmm. And then one day I don't and I don't know why I was doing this, but I was looking up the old versions of the Filsinger Games website on the Wayback Machine at archive.org. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, I think I was looking I was like trying to find the date something came out or something. And then I know there used to be a section on philsingergames.com where Tom Filsinger would post his results and he would, he would just, you know, he was, and so I went back as far as I could in Tom's results. And I was like, 
what if I replay Tom's cards, like some of Tom's early cards using the original cards? So I've done a few videos of that where I've gone back and I, I take the same matchups he had and I play them out and see how much, uh, you know, the results are the same or how much they're different or whatever. Um, so I do go back from time to time. And uh, recently what I've been doing is I, I came across a uh, trading with another promoter a huge tre treasure trove of like those early days, like 88, 89, 90 um, kind of promoter created matches and stuff like that. So I recently did a series where I, each episode I was playing a different vintage promoter created match um, from back in the old days, uh, just in kind of, you know, like not in any sort of fed that has any continuity. It's just like, Hey, I'm taking these two cards. Let's throw them against each other and let's use the Venus water war match or, you know, whatever it was, <laughs> um, just to see how these old things, uh, turned out. So, uh, that's been fun. And yes. So yes, answer your question in a long way. Yes, I do go back at times. Excellent. Well, it was a long-winded question to start with, so you just—I I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving it the the proper answer. Yeah, and Zach, and and he's absolutely correct. Like one of the and one of the things that that Phil Singer Games has really brought in at one point of time was this uh, this kind of area in the middle of like it's very wibbly wobbly timey wimey uh, for <laughs> an area called Kronos, where you know wrestlers from all over the you know universe can come in in their prime. And have battles, and that was, and that's like so. That's one of the cool things that you can, if you are on Chronos, you can have a you know, you know Hulk Hogan in his prime facing off against you know Chaos Supreme from Champions of the Galaxy, and the match can work just fine. Well, I've always exactly. stood firm that every wrestling federation really should have its own secret wars arc where it's just existing I, on another plane. Like, really, they they pretty much have at one point of time too. That's one of the cool things about Phil Singer, especially the Champions of the Galaxy, is they've gone pretty crazy on some of their storylines in the past of how they got there. So, um, uh, now, uh, one thing, speaking of Phil Singer, actually, and speaking of wrestlers, one thing uh, you had mentioned on the channel, once you had gotten a wrestler signed up for Phil Singer games, you had gotten them to agree to, to be on a, to be on a card. Yes. I, I'm very interested, especially because, uh, Zach and I do a lot of stuff here in Florida with uh, a lot of great talent here in the state of Florida. Uh, what, what is kind of the process to get somebody signed to get a card with, with Phil Singer games? Well, I mean, I, I think I am, I am in no way a, a representative of Phil Singer games. Um, sure. I, so I want to say that, um, I have worked with Phil Singer games at times. I helped produce, uh, two of their early indie sets, um, uh, for championship wrestling from Hollywood. But, um, uh, so I, I don't do that. I know that there is. Um, a form, uh, a, a release form, and that is basically it. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I think you would talk to Todd uh, or Mike Molesky at Filsinger Games in order to 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 get that release form. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I um, Zeke Gould, who is uh, just uh, you got to have Zeke on the show because Zeke is Zeke goes to like like Zeke is on his way to New Orleans right now to go to NWA. Like he flies all over the country to go to indie shows and he has probably signed more indie wrestlers uh, than anybody else for Phil Singer games. Um, but he and I, he, uh, he lives in Las Vegas and he would come out to L.A. and we would go to all these autograph signings and stuff like that. And we would just take some 
uh, cards because I always take some cards to show the wrestler like, hey, look, here's some of your contemporaries who are in this game. Wouldn't you want to be in this game, too? And um, I haven't done it in a long time because, as I said, I'm not an official representative of Phil Singer Games, but um, I did sign Jimmy Hart to the game. <laughs> like, that was my one goal Very, uh, boy. was to get Jimmy Hart signed. Um, and, uh, and I got a few others too. I know Zeke and I have, have, uh, kind of a fun record of doing, uh, partners in tag teams. So I think I got Mr. Fuji and he got Mr. Saito. And then for the American wolves, I got one of them and he got one of them. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, we, we had a lot of fun like, Oh, you got that guy. I got that guy. We got the tag team. Okay. It's great. You know? Um, but, but also I, I haven't really done that in a while and I, I have continued to kind of produce uh, bootlegs for championship wrestling from Hollywood. So I do get them to sign uh, the paper just in case Phil Singer Games wants to use them for um, for one of their indie releases or something like that. But um, uh, anyway, so that's the process. It's a release form. I, it could have changed in since the time that I've uh, worked in an official capacity for them. But uh, that's pretty much what it is, I think. I'll have to check. And I will say that, uh, uh, Zach, you'll have to check. He actually did just put up a video recently that showed his most recent uh, bootleg set. And he gets the the artist who does the art for Phil Singer Games, uh, Werner, I don't remember how to pronounce Werner's last uh, name. Werner, Werner Meek, yep. Werner Meek. Werner uh, Meek, I would have completely pronounced it wrong. So, <laughs> But, yeah, Werner. But oh uh, yeah, Werner's art is amazing, and the artwork that they've got for the the most recent he's got for the most recent set is spot on. So. Yeah, the the I I think the the championship wrestling from Hollywood cards maybe didn't sell as well as Phil Singer Games thought. So they moved on to other things, which is fine. But uh, and at the time um, I was I was doing backstage interviewing for championship wrestling from Hollywood. So I was around all those guys all the time. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to keep making cards for some of these guys because I really, you know, they're, they're a lot of fun and there's some great gimmicks and there's just some they're all super nice guys. So, um, you know, I just I, I think I release maybe, f- you know, f- four to eight a year um, in little batches. And uh, yeah, and I get Warner to do them. And, and Zeke, who does a lot of the stats for the indie wrestling guys for um, Phil Singer Games and uh, uh, Corey and Chad Olson, who work on the Legends side of things, they will always help with proofreading. So. Um, they're about as official as you can get without being actually official cards. Um, and that's why I just give them away for free. Cause I was like, yeah. well, I'm not selling these. I'm not trying to make any profit off of these. And then, um, with the wrestlers who sign, I also say like, I'm going to pay to have the artwork done, but you can take this artwork. You can put it on a shirt. You can put it on, you know, whatever you want to do with this artwork. Um, I'll give you the files so you can make cards and have them on the merch table or whatever you want to do. Um, because I, you know, I, I, I'm just doing it for fun. I'm a fan of the game and I think these guys should have cards. So now you mentioned you were doing interviewing for, um, championship wrestling from Hollywood was, is there any other, you know, jobs on the wrestling scene that you've ever kind of said, I want to try that, uh, you know, bring announcing and managing, et cetera, anything like <laughs> well, that you've wanted to do? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, I wanted to be Jimmy Hart. That's who I wanted to right, be. Right. And um, there was a, uh, you know, uh, Dave Marquez, who runs Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. He's a good friend. I actually met him through another venue, <laughs> through because I'm a puppeteer too. So I met him through uh, through doing some puppet gigs, and um, he 
runs championship wrestling from Hollywood or just championship wrestling now is what they call it. There's, I don't think it's championship wrestling from Hollywood anymore, but anyway, he was like, Hey, would you want to, you wanted to be a manager, right? And I go, yeah. And he goes, would you want to come in and be a manager? And I was like, yeah. So I went down to actually start training. And, uh, the day before I went down, um, I like, I kind of passed out. I had a little medical, weird medical thing where I just passed out and then the doctor was like, yeah, you know, maybe you shouldn't be, you know, <laughs> running around a ring and getting punched or whatever, um, you know, uh, right now. And uh, but, you know, Dave had an idea for me and his idea was that I would be a used car salesman named Howdy Price. And now Howdy Price is uh, a character uh, with championship wrestling from Hollywood. And he's uh, absolutely I think he was even on AEW Dark or I don't know, uh, one of those shows as well. Um, Wonderful. And, uh, but yeah. And so, you know, Dave was kind of like, well, if you can't do that, why don't you come back and be a, a backstage interviewer? So I was like, okay, yeah, great. I would, I would love to do that. And I did that for, I think five years or so. And, um, and in there I did a little ring announcing at, at some point too. And, um, I didn't get too involved in, in any storylines or anything. There was a, a tag team called Footloose. Um, and they, they came to the ring and just neon like eighties and, you know, uh, and, and they were dancing to Footloose. And like, I just started being like, they're my favorite tag team. They're the greatest. So they did kind of when when the one guy turned on the other, I was heartbroken. And they, you know, they did kind of like, oh, Grant's not doing well because his favorite tag team broke up. And uh, it was just super fun. And and, you know, I I had a lot of fun doing it. And I just kind of got busy with uh, with other puppetry work and stuff like that. So I, it's not something I could I could keep doing. But um, uh, for a long time, I did stand-up comedy. And this other comedian uh, named Larry Weaver, uh, who's on the East Coast, he was in North Carolina, and he was doing stuff with, like, the Hardy Boys when they were just starting out. And I, I did a show with him one time, and I knew about his wrestling background, and I go, I would love to be a manager. And he goes, oh, you know what? Wrestling, it's a really sleazy business. It's just really – he's like, you don't want to be involved in it. It's just so sleazy. And this was early 2000s. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I got involved with championship wrestling from Hollywood, it's like, I, I still talk to those guys that day. There was nothing sleazy about it. Everyone was fantastic. We had such a great time. And uh, I'm so happy that they're still going. So nice. Now yeah. my big question is, between stand-up comedy, puppeteering, and being involved in professional wrestling, uh, which of those three was the most difficult for you? And which of those three were you most excited to tell people you were involved in? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's an interesting question. I, um, the wrestling thing, I don't know if I, I mean, I did tell people about the wrestling thing. And I think people who I knew were just like, wait, what are you doing? You're just doing something. And it didn't really hit me how cool it was. Um, where there were several moments, like I was standing in line at a subway one day and this guy in front of me kept turning around. And he goes, you're on championship wrestling from Hollywood. And I was like, yeah. And he was, and he was just like, oh, I love that show. I watched all the time. And then, you know, it's like, you don't realize like, oh yeah, I, I am on TV every week. <laughs> you know, even if <laughs> my friends aren't watching, I am. Well, kind I of am on, still on TV. Yeah. I am on TV every week. And that's, you know, and it's on it. Like at that time, I think Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was on like at two in the morning or something like that. But, you know, it's like you are. And I went to uh, 
uh, a wedding one time. My my wife's friend was getting married, and somebody at the table with us goes, "You look really familiar. Where do I know you from?" And I was like, "I don't know." And he goes, "Do you do wrestling?" You know, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." So, um, it's uh, it's you know, it, it that has been a lot of fun. I will say that when I was in high school, um, I discovered Mystery Science Theater three thousand, and uh, I thought I was the only person who knew about this show. Um, and I fell into it hard. I would tape record it. I would watch it. And then all these years later to, to say that I'm working on the show as, as a character and as one of the puppeteers, uh, is, is just kind of a really cool dream come true. So, um, those are probably two comedy was comedy was fun and I enjoyed doing it, but, uh, you know, uh, Steve Martin always says, if you want to be a good comedian, you have to do it all the time. And it was just like too much work for me. So, Zach, I, I think you got quiet there for, for a very specific reason, because uh, my, my co-host, uh, Grant, is uh, probably the biggest. Uh, do you own all the movies now, Zach? Not every single one, because there's unfortunately uh, rights issues with some of them, and I don't have the box set that has Godzilla on it. But uh, but I have quite a few, we'll say. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you said the magic words of Mystery Science Theater 3000, and Zach got very quiet because I think I could tell he was pondering questions in his head right now. Tell us a little bit about working on Mystery Science Theater 3000, because, yeah, you, you're uh, that's definitely something I did not know, and I'm excited to hear more about. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, – I, I mean, it's kind of two separate things. I've just always been a Mystery Science Theater fan. Um, uh, I met Joe Hodgson, the creator of the show, years ago, and um, – uh, for a while, when podcasting first started, I had a podcast called The Radio Adventures of Dr. Floyd, and it was like an old-timey radio show for kids. Um, and I found out that if I just kind of asked – podcasting was so new. This was like back in 2005 or something. And podcasting was so new that I knew that if I kind of bumped into somebody who was like, you know, maybe a little bit of a celebrity and asked them to come do it, they would come do it um, because it was such a new thing. And uh, so a friend of a friend knew Joel and and I said, uh, do you think you can come get him on the show? And and he was like, yeah, I'll ask him. And then uh, I was able to connect with Joel and it was great. And then shortly after that, uh, that he was on my show uh, and he had asked me to do uh, some other little sound audio engineering work for him uh, for this other project he was doing. And then he said, uh, oh, and then they announced Cinematic Titanic, which was mm -hmm. like a Mystery Science mm -hmm. Theater spinoff. And uh, the day he announced it, I sent him an email and I just said, I will sweep the floor. I will, <laughs> you know, whatever you need me to do, I will do. And he said he wrote back and he goes, we have a job for you uh, because nobody else wants to do it. And that is uh, a lot of times these movies that they're riffing on are so old. Uh, there's no script for them. You cannot find a script for these movies anywhere. Um, and so they needed somebody to watch the movie kind of frame by frame and recreate the script. Um, and so I did that for every single cinematic Titanic release. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. Um, wow, but that's a endurance. I, I think they use that as a torture in Guantanamo. Goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Joel said, uh, Frank Conniff, he goes, well, Frank did, did it for our first movie and he said he would never, ever do it again. So if you want to do it and I was, you know, I was just like, yep, absolutely. I'll do it. Whatever it is. And um, it was a chore, and I wound up doing all of them, but uh, I think they did like 15 movies, 16 mm -hmm. movies or something. Mm -hmm. um, 
But then uh, I do a show with um, I perform regularly with a show called Puppet Up Uncensored. It's a Jim Henson company. Um, it's a live show that they do for adults that goes that tours and, and does stuff like that. And um, we happened to be in Pennsylvania and Joel was in Pennsylvania. He had moved out there from L.A. And I just sent him a message. I go, hey, if you want to come see the show, I got tickets. You can come see it. And he did. And I think that's where he was like, oh, Grant can puppeteer. That's interesting. And then uh, a few short years later, he he was out here. He's like, hey, you want to go to lunch? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, well, you know, I I think uh, I'm going to bring Mystery Science Theater back. Would you like to puppeteer on it? And like he didn't even finish the sentence. I was like, yes. Yes, I do want a puppeteer on it. Um, so, uh, and, and it took a while to bring it back, but um, for the the recent episodes with Jonah, um, we, uh, you know, I, I I'm the lead puppeteer on Crow. I don't voice Crow, but I'm the lead puppeteer on Crow. And then there was a new character that was introduced in Jonah's first season called M Waverly, and so I perform M Waverly and puppeteer M Waverly, uh, and have ever since. So. Uh, it has been total dream come true, and uh, there's a new episode. They have their own streaming service now. They're not on Netflix or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. They have mm-hmm. their own streaming service, and they have a new episode coming out called uh, The Bubble, and Joel is the host of it, and I got to puppeteer Crow during this episode. Again, Kelsey Brady, uh, who is the voice of Crow for that episode, uh, does the voice, but you know, I just kind—I of, I think I tweeted uh, the other day, like, you know, dear high school Grant, you're going to get to puppeteer in a mystery science <laughs> theater episode with Joel. You know, surprise. Um, so that that was uh, that that was just total dream come true, and it's it's such a fun show, and it's, you know, I think when the show—I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here—but when the show went to Netflix, a lot of fans were like. Like, oh, it's too big budget. It's too Hollywood now. And they've got celebrity cameos and and it's really big budget. And I think since then, uh, it has really been stripped down and it's really, you know, and I don't necessarily agree with that because I was part of those episodes and I think that was fantastic. But I just I do read what fans say online. Maybe (laughs) I should not. Um, And that was that was a big thing. And I think now we're. You know, it's more of a close knit family, and we're producing it on a much smaller budget than 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 previous things. And um, you know, I, I think it's a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully, uh, this Gizmoplex model works, and we'll be able to make new episodes every year because that would be great. Now, this is an amazing development, and uh, <laughs> hip hip hooray for the greatest get that we've ever had on the show. But really, here's the thing of this whole story. I've looked it up online, and Grant has previously identified several episodes as his favorite experiments of the classic show. And, I, and I'm just calling to attention here. Uh, Grant, now you can confirm, because we all know that the internet is right 99% of the time. But you can uh, confirm uh, if, this is not, if this is not entirely accurate. Uh, you've mentioned The Crawling Eye, Angel's yeah. Revenge, yes. Manos the Hands of Fate, and the one that made me like do a little dance, you mentioned Prince of Space as one of your favorite experiments. Yeah, I would say, um, and this suddenly turned into a mystery science theater podcast. Um, <laughs> but, but I would, Grant, I will, I'll briefly let you know this is not the first time that's happened, though. So that's okay. <laughs> um, Prince of Space, I think I cannot remember anything really about the movie Prince of Space, but I can remember the heck out of the host segments. And I think that episode 
could be said have the best host segments of all time um, because there's the one host segment where because uh, it's like they're going through some sort of time warp or some sort of space time thing. So whenever they go, they come out of the theater up to the the bridge of the ship. Crazy stuff is always happening. And like one time, I think Mike is a puppet. <laughs> you know, yes. uh, he's turned into a puppet. And then my favorite one is this out of sync one where yeah. it's like where they just come in and you suddenly realize that they're all having a conversation, but they are all saying lines at the wrong time. And somebody is two lines too fast and somebody's two lines too short. And one person is right on, you know, right on the money. And, um, and then if you really think about it, you're like, Oh, this whole scene makes sense. But, and I just think like, Oh my God, that must've been crazy to re- rehearse. Uh, Cause nothing makes sense. And then there's the, 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 the host segment where they're just suddenly they're outside in a forest Um, you know, and I, I just think they really, for that episode, they were like, let's make the craziest host segments we can make. And, uh, and, you know, the movie's good too with Crankor and everything, but I, uh, Phantom of Crankor, uh, which is one of my favorite Kevin Murphy, uh, performances when later episodes, when, when he shows up, uh, with his ridiculous chicken voice, like that's just, (laughs) I, I just, I, I was dazzled by that because, um, in that era, because I, you know, that's like kind of, you know, we're on the Sci-Fi Channel kind of era, da 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 da. That uh, Princess Space gets looked over a lot, and that was always one that stood out to me for whatever reason. When they have, I remember there's the effect where Princess Space like jumps or like flies off the ground to like land on a on a window, and it looks just awful. And I remember that the riff is like, well, I'm gonna throw my doll at you, and it's just like. Just the worst effect you could have. And yeah. uh, I, re- I used to use that as one of the ones that I would introduce Mr. Science Theater to new people. Because um, even though Prince of Space is very goofy, it has one of the more, like, kind of sort of straightforward stories. Because, like, Space Mutiny is great, but Space Mutiny is kind of a mess. So, right. you know, when you're trying to show it to people and they're like, well, why is the beefy guy? What I don't understand what's going on. And you're like, I, uh, well... Uh, the movie is garbage and was edited by 10 people. So I don't, uh, but, uh, but no, I was just, I was thrilled to see Prince of Space get the, uh, get put over. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great episode. So. Oh, right. We're supposed to have a wrestling podcast. Um, yeah, uh, so what about Jimmy Hart? Do you like so much? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was cool. I thought I, you know, this shows you my taste as a kid. I was like, he's the fanciest dresser. His outfits are always crazy and wonderful and um i i just loved how no matter what happened he was uh, you know 100 percent. he was always happy he was always great um i really i i didn't like the british bulldogs i didn't like the junkyard dog i was always rooting for for jimmy hart and his guys and um you know having a megaphone that you could whack people with that was that was the the icing on the cake uh and then i loved man oh man uh you know we're getting close to christmas I remember the Christmas that I got the wrestling album and I got it on cassette and um, my, my mom's sister, my aunt sent it down and we got like, uh, cause they, they lived up in Oregon. We lived in uh, near San Francisco. And so they sent a box of presents down and my mom just put them under the tree. And it was like a week and a half before Christmas. And I could just tell that, one of them was the wrestling album and I would go and I would just sit next to that package all day. <laughs> it would just be like, hello, soon you will be mine. And, uh, 
Like, I think I even did a thing where when we came out Christmas morning, I wanted to open that present first, but I was like, I can't because I can't let them know that I know what's in there. Um, and uh, but yeah, I mean, the wrestling album was was, you know, on on repeat. I know every word. Eat your heart out, Rick Springfield. That that was that was on that album, right? Yep, yep, yep. Absolutely. I I um, love that you had the like brilliance, even as like a young person, to be like, ah, can't make it too obvious about this. This <laughs> open. I'm a, I would have been just a dumb kid. I would have been like, I called it, yay, and blown the whole thing. You <laughs> yeah. you were thinking ten steps ahead. You're like, oh, 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 let me open up the box with the socks in them first. If they know that I know. They will never allow me to have it, or I don't, I don't know what I thought, but <laughs> uh, no, I will say, as someone who's also, um, you know, participated in like the behind the scenes element of wrestling and also been like an interviewer and an announcer, um, one of the few regrets I have of my time in wrestling is that I never was able to put together a an airbrushed suit jacket because that <laughs> I just is like the epitome of wrestling class to me. Is yeah. the airbrush suit jacket? Though not Wait. for lack of trying, I seem to remember both this of us true. trying to find you an airbrush artist here in the area. This is true. And surprisingly, we couldn't find one in the state of say, Florida our, that would have done it. Obstacle is that we weren't living in 1994. That was right. the only thing holding us back. Uh, I will say that um, I don't know when this was. This was probably 15 years ago now. But um, I would always look on eBay for Jimmy Hart stuff, and then one. This one day, I just found a ton of actual Jimmy Hart things, like just like his jackets, his pants, his uh, sunglasses, his everything. And it was all these different auctions. And um, I it was all very expensive. Um, and I did buy one jacket and it, there was plenty of the airbrushed ones. I later found out that it was his son who was selling all these things. And I guess he was being deployed or he was going because um, he served in the military, his son. And he he said he had said, like, oh, my dad just gave me a bunch of stuff I could sell. And if I sold it, I could keep the money. And um, and so I bought the jacket that he is wearing in the picture that was on the back of his LJN figure. Uh, so this, this blue jacket with hearts on it. And there was all this other stuff. And I recognized all these other jackets, but I was such an LJN fan as a kid. I was like, this is the jacket I got to get. And the great thing was, is it didn't go for as much as all the other jackets, because I don't think people realized that's where it was from. And the amazing thing was, was that uh, his son not only sent the jacket, but he sent a tie that matched the jacket, which I think he's wearing in that picture and a pair of pants, which the pants are different. But uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, this this is the this is my, my prized possession. You have that framed or something, right? I don't. It's hanging. It's it's very well cared for hanging <laughs> in a closet. But uh, it's I don't know if my wife would let me hang it up. But, um, you know, I do have it. And uh, someday I'll find a way to display it. Now, let me, this actually, and I'm glad you just brought that up because that was something I was very interested in. You are, you are married. I am married. Uh, yes. You own, like, I, I, from what I can tell just by watching your videos, especially when you do like unboxing videos, like wh when you get a chance to get a, co a hold of like a special edition card or something like that, you'll buy four and five copies of it uh, yes. so, so that you have it. 
So you somewhere in your house, you have like a vault full of like Phil Singer game stuff. How does your wife handle the basically the Phil Singer games addiction that you that you have? And does she play the game? Uh, she has played the game. She's played out a couple matches. Um, she is very supportive. Um, and I do have I just sort of have one closet. Um, that has all that stuff in there. And every <laughs> once in a while, I have to kind of go in and kind of rearrange things. I will say that I I do buy multiple copies of the card. But one of the great things that Phil Singer Games does is they uh, have auctions um, at their at their virtual gatherings or their, or their um, in-person gatherings that will benefit either the uh, Tregos and Thez Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame or the Cauliflower Alley Club, or uh, for a while it was, um, you know, a couple charities that Tom Filsinger, the creator, liked. And so I will usually buy a couple cards um, to sell on eBay, um, and then I will put all that money kind of in a little fund, and that'll be like my little auction fund. So when, uh, and I do it to kind of support these causes because I feel that they're worthwhile causes. So uh, when you see that I've bought eight copies of a card, it's also because I'm going to sell some of them at a little bit of a markup. And then I'm going to put that money into a, I'm being totally honest about this. I'm not trying to be sneaky, but I will put all that into a, into a little account. And then, uh, you know, when auction time rolls around, I'll, I'll spend a little money on, on some of the auction items, maybe even have them go for more than they should go for, but it's for a good cause, you know? So um, nice. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I try to do with all with those extra cards. So what okay. I'm hearing is when Chad and I pull the Ocean's Eleven to get into Grant Palace, <laughs> that there very well could be a closet that has a pristine LJN Jimmy Hart suit next to a <laughs> vault of cards. Is what I'm hearing that it right. all may be the same closet. Yes, uh, spread out among several different closets are my carded LJN figures collections. So you'll have to go to a couple oh, different closets. He's, to, to again, that. he's, he's uh, eight steps ahead. It's not unwrapping <laughs> the first gift. It's spreading out the LJN. This man That's right. Up. You don't keep yeah. it in one place. Zach and I will be, Zach and I will be breaking into the, like you said, Grant's palace. I'll be looking for a uh, Phil Singer game cards. And Zach will be looking for uh, a, a crow, a crow uh, robot. Well, I was just about to say, I was going to say the showing the difference in like journalistic integrity uh, Chad asks a very logical question about like, how do you display such an interesting memorabilia piece? My first question was, okay, does the, does the Jimmy Hart suit fit? And if the answer is yes, <laughs> did you commission a small one for crow to wear that you guys could be like twins? <laughs> that was my first thought. And I was like, no, no, don't ask that question. That's scary. I will say I, tr I tried on the jacket when I first got it, but amazing. He is a small guy. He is. Yeah. He, don't say. Yeah. He is. He is super small. So um, even before I was the, the pear shaped man that I am now, um, <laughs> I, I was that jacket was and, and the sleeves came really way up on my arm and everything like that. So, uh, no, it's definitely. And it's also interesting because it's not. It's not like a professionally like somebody made this jacket for him. It's handmade. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of his jet, like he would buy a jacket and have it airbrushed, but this jacket, I think he just found this material that had these hearts on it and got someone to make him a jacket. Uh, so it's not like, I don't want to put it on and, and try and flex or something. Cause I'll probably rip the back out. <laughs> well, we, we all don't. do the standard practice. As soon as you put a suit jacket on, <laughs> you flex. flex. That's exactly. how that goes. It's, it's definitely. And this is definitely something I have definitely done before. It is 100% Chris Farley's fat guy in a little coat right there. That's, <laughs> exactly. That's a thousand percent what that what that is right there. That so, 
Uh, okay, so great. Uh, last question, I at least I have for me here, and then I uh, well, Zach, I think we can head into the final three questions. Yeah. Uh, my daughter wants to start a YouTube channel. What what advice should you give my little Shinamite as she uh, she decides when she gets turned thirteen next year to start her YouTube channel? Work well, a here's... wrestling show and become a puppeteer for Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, uh, I will tell you, I do know a little bit about this, uh, or at least creating content for social media. Um, as I said, I started a podcast back in 2004, back in the early days of podcasting. Um, at the height of that podcast, we were getting 80,000 downloads a month, um, which was you know, there's other shows now that get way more than that. But at the time, that was pretty amazing. That was like 2008. Um, and and then I just started experimenting with social media things. Uh, so like when Vine came out, I had a puppet character who I just started doing on Vine. And he got up to like 15,000 uh, followers. I forget what Vine called them. Followers, subscribers, whatever they were. And, um, and then now... I have a, a character named Toily T. Paper, who's a talking roll of toilet paper. It's a puppet. <laughs> um, and in 2019, and I was like, in 2019, I was like, I want to start a YouTube channel and I want to get it monetized. And how do I do that? And I figured out the steps, how to do that. And you need, you know, this many hours of watch time. You need a thousand subscribers to get it monetized. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start putting out content every week to make that happen. And um, at the same time, someone told me about TikTok and I just started putting out videos on TikTok and uh, I reached a million followers by I started in January and I reached he reached a million followers by October of that year. And then the pandemic hit and toilet paper was all anybody was talking about. And so currently he has three million subscriber or followers on TikTok. He's got 209,000 followers on Instagram. And so what is, here's my advice after doing all this stuff is that do videos that make you interested, that, that do videos that, that you find interesting, that you think are fun to do um, and put them up, just work for a couple months, put those up, whether this is on YouTube, whether this is on TikTok, whether this is on wherever, uh, just keep putting them up and then Whichever one does the best, make a video that's like that one, right? Because that's your, your most popular video. So make that video again, but make it just slightly different. And uh, this works on TikTok. This works on YouTube. Um, it's just if you if you have a video that really hits, make another video that that works just like that. I started a a series early this year where it's toily, it's toily doing the poop word of the day. So he's like, oh, instead of saying you're taking a poop, say you're taking a growler or, you know, whatever it is, just some other name for taking a poop. And when I first started it, like each video was getting over a million views and everything like that. And I was like, OK, well, this is this is Toily's thing now, at least for a little while until people get bored of it. And so far they haven't gotten bored of it. So uh, I'm, I'm coming up on the 200th poop word of the day here very soon, uh, which is crazy. And that's I put one out a day. So. Uh, you know, find your video that performs the best and then uh, just keep making that. But I'll also say, if you don't like making that type of video, don't make it. There's been plenty of times where Toilies had a video that, that you know, went really popular. And I was like, oh, do I have to make another one of these videos? Because this is so <laughs> Is this dumb. my life now? Yeah, is this it? You know, and I'm a feeling of that a little bit that way with this poop word of the day stuff. But as long as it still has traction, I'll I'll, I'll keep going with it. But um, so anyway, that's just the advice is, is uh, and, and, 
lots of people will say that if you look online. It's just whatever your best performing video is, make another video that's like that. So if you're, you know, you look at all these YouTube channels. There's uh, a guy, a, a girl I watched, her Awkward Ashley, and she is a millennial that just watches movies that people tell her she should have seen. And it's just her reacting to the movies. So she hasn't seen Ghostbusters. It's her watching Ghostbusters and giving her thoughts on it. There's another video channel that's... Um, uh, the report of the week, and he just reviews fast food. That's all he does. And if you watch all these popular YouTubers, every video is pretty much the same. And it's just because they found the one thing and they just keep making it. So if it's playing Roblox, if it's collecting Pokemon, whatever it is for her, if it's teaching people how to do things, that's what you do. And uh, that's and then when you want to try something else, you just create another channel like I did with Solo Promoter <laughs> to bring it all back. Yeah, Genius. So, well, Zach, I think I'm going to start our uh, final three questions here with the uh, Trevin Adams Memorial question. I, even I don't though... even know how we're uh, going to ask this because <laughs> our guest lives in California most of his life. He, he may not. He may not know either of these. You are correct. So, but uh, I will see what the what his options are out there right, if we'll this see. doesn't go through. Uh, so, what uh, a great way to start an interview question. I'm not <laughs> confident this is going to work. And no. go. I'm confident I there's a there's a backup answer to this question, and that's where I'm going with it. So uh, it is uh, so uh, it is late at night. You are hungry. Uh, you are looking to get something to eat. You pull over after, you know, uh, your most recent toily humor uh, video has been filmed. Uh, you uh, come over a hill and you see a shining beacon of light. Uh, is that shining beacon a sheet or is that shining beacon a Wawa? Well, you know, and I, I don't believe I've been to a Sheets, but I have been to a Wawa. So I will say it's a Wawa, and that's nothing against Sheets. I've just never been, but I have been to several Wawas. I went on tour with Mystery Science Theater 3000, so I've been quite a few places all across the country. Um, and, uh, you know, have have not been disappointed uh, with Wawa. But again, I might love Sheets. I've just never been. So now, what do, what do you have? Part. You, you've been to Wawa and you liked it. Grant, I knew I liked you from the start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you would get, jump right on that one because it was a win for you. Well, uh, I went on, you yeah, I went on a puppet tour with uh, this uh, this woman, Paige, Paige O'Malley. She's a good friend of mine. And we, it was just a small little puppet tour. And we were driving in the van and she was like, oh, oh, oh. And I go, what's the matter? She goes, we're headed into like, New Jersey. I don't know where we were going. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, there's Wawa's. We're going to finally get to have Wawa. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> I guess we're going to have Wawa. That was my first experience was, all right, well, I, I guess this is something. And then I was like, wait, this is like a gas station thing. She's like, yeah, it's the best. Come have a sandwich. I'm like, all right. So um, but I've been to several since then. So uh, I agree. It's good stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Now, what do you have out in California? What what's what type of a wow? Is there a Wawa type thing out in out in the West Coast? Oh my gosh, I'm trying to think if there's something. What do we have? You know, well, I mean, we have In and Out. That's the one everybody always talks about. They come to California and they want to have an In and Out, but In and Outs are spreading across the country. Right. Um, so it's yeah, that's not like more of a fast food place. Would it be like the right. Rouse Chicken or something like that? Yeah, I'm. Uh... Yeah, I mean we we've got AMPMs and 7-Elevens, you know that's kind of the same thing. But I, they're kind of the butt of jokes. I, there's not one where you'd be like, yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> you know, we do have. I mean, I guess this happens everywhere too. But there are a few gas stations that it's like, oh my god, there's this great barbecue joint in the gas station. You got to go. To the, you know, over on Santa Monica Boulevard, there's this. You know, uh, so we do have those kind of things. But I think you find those everywhere. 
Yeah, there's like those little mom and pop situations where it's like, you know, w- could you maybe get hepatitis in this gas station? Yes. <laughs> Is it the best brisket you've ever had? Also, yes. 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 Also, yes. Yes. Well, Zach, right. I will, right. I will tag off to you for right. question so, two. Uh, so, so depressing question here. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, in the incredible uh, performance art of professional wrestling, uh, we lose a lot of talent uh, before their time. So... Uh, I guess I don't even know what to frame this under. So who is a personality of pro wrestling that is no longer alive that you would have loved to have worked with behind the scenes at wrestling done a puppet show for (laughs) wrestlers love puppets. It's their favorite thing. (laughs) Um, Or done a standup routine for, I guess like what, what, what dead wrestler are we, are we thinking of here? Man? Well, you know, like to, to uh, this isn't this doesn't answer your question, but to come Go full ahead. circle is that um, uh, Roddy Piper came one night to championship wrestling from Hollywood because they were kind of using our ring and the, and the crowd to film this other thing, I think, for Portland. And it was it was Roddy Piper and Len, Den- Len Denton, the grappler. And uh, so I didn't get to work with him. But, you know, as the thing, the, the story goes, is when you get to the building, you shake everybody's hand. And he went around and he shook everybody's hand. And and I just happened to be walking around a corner. And I bumped into him and he just the, and I had met him before, like autograph signings. But he just reached out his hand because he saw I was in my suit and everything. And he reached out his hand and I said, oh, man, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming. I go, I'm Grant. And he goes, I'm Roddy. It's so nice to meet you. And I was like, yeah, I don't you don't have to tell me who you are. I know who you are. Um <laughs> But let me see, you know, uh, I would have I would have loved to met Randy Savage, uh, even mm. in all my autograph signings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I never got to I just remember I loved him and my mom hated him because of the way he and she didn't watch wrestling, but she just kind of, you know, out of the corner of her eye watched it. And she was just like, the way he treats Elizabeth is not how you treat a woman. <laughs> um, you know, he's just a piece. He's a scum. And, um, you know, and I always thought he was cool. So I would to answer the question, I would say Randy Savage is somebody who. You know, I just would have even loved to to meet. It would have been great. Amazing. Amazing. So uh, to jump off of that final question here, the famous final question here of the IndyCast. So we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature has certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. So, for instance, giraffes have long necks, rhinos have big horns, et cetera, et cetera. Our belief is that human beings... As animals, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So, one and only. I, I you have so many names now. Like you, you're technically crow. You're technically a talking <laughs> toilet paper roll. Uh, but here in this neck of the woods, you are the solo promoter. If yes. you could fight any animal, what would it be, <laughs> and what weapon would you use? Uh, oof. Well. Come on, we gotta be nice to the animals. Uh, yeah, I'm it one can of be mythical. It can be make believe. Oh, okay, all right. Well, you know uh, what I immediately thought of was in f- to bring this back to Phil Singer Games. Uh, there is a race of characters um, uh, called the Annie Men, and they are kind of half men, half animals, and they were they've been in since kind of the you know first or second game edition. And um, when I first really got into the game, I was just like, I'm going to design all these different Annie men. And I remember I made like a lemur Annie man. And, Perfect. and then I made a manatee Annie man 
called Mana T, M A N dash A dash T E E. And um, so when you said that, that's the first thing that came to mind. And I hate to be, this is totally horrible. And of course, we got to save the manatees. But you know, just use a boat propeller. Oh, to fight, <laughs> to fight him. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> the foreign object. Yeah, yeah. That is wonderful. And, and now, do you remember uh, quickly and we'll, a little trivia here? Do you remember who the first, uh, at least uh, I'm trying to remember who the first Andy Man I remember was, but do you remember who the first Andy Man was that they had in the game? Well, there was, um, I don't think, if I'm remembering correct, well, Wolf was an Andy Man. True. Uh, he's from Andromeda. And then I think the next ones to come in were, were Badger and Ram, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, uh, yeah, Incredible Badger, and Badger and Ram. And uh, Reptilo, and then I also, uh, I thought, I remember uh, Incredible Badger being the first, but then I remember Iron Man being the big one that uh, yeah. that was like the kind of main event talent of the group. So, yeah, I love some and, of these characters. I really <laughs> do. So. Well, and I wrote a song about Reptilo because because uh, <laughs> when I first started playing, I was still doing the comedy music and, and stuff like that. And so I wrote a whole album of, of songs about Phil Singer Games, which you can find on YouTube, if you want to punish yourself. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Reptilo was like my, that was my hit in the Filsinger Games world was the song about Reptilo. So definitely a soft spot for Reptilo. So, well, uh, Grant, this is the uh, part in the episode where one Mr. Brian Cage had officially given us permission call uh, to call Get Your Shit In. Uh, tell everybody where they can uh, find your social media, uh, buy any merchandise you may have, et cetera, et cetera. The floor is yours. Well, uh, you can follow me on social media. I am Toaster Boy on Twitter for as long as it lasts. And I am uh, throwing toasters on Instagram. All one word, throwing toasters on Instagram. Um, Toily Tea Paper, uh, my creation, has a new Christmas album that's coming out. A very, <laughs> very public domain Christmas. Um, and you can uh, get that if you go to thetoily.com forward slash album. You can uh, find it on your favorite music service or pre-save it or pre-order it. And uh, just, fo yeah, follow Toily on all forms of social media at thetoily. And, of course, uh, follow the Solo Promoter YouTube channel. And you can just find that by going to solopromoter.com. It'll take you right to the YouTube channel. Amazing. Very nice. Well, uh, Grant, last thing I want to do, I'm not going to do this today, but at some point uh, I do want to try to have you back on, or maybe we can, maybe I, if I, if I can beg to guest on your channel one day for solo promoter, uh, Zach and I got to uh, have a tag team match once uh, with the uh, Phil Singer games. And we actually got to play against Todd Jershell and uh, Tom Phil Singer himself. And we got now, a match kit. Is, is a bold statement. We got completely shellacked. From we, the start we did get, we and did the fix get slaughtered. Was in, in my opinion. Uh, but uh, in, in this, I am going to use our forum here that we have to openly challenge you to pick a wrestler, and I will pick a wrestler out of my collection, uh, and, I, and I do have quite the collection of, of Phil Singer game stuff. I challenge you to a match at some point. Let's do it. I'm all for it. Excellent. I'm awesome. all for it. We will make that happen then. Amazing. So, he's so agreeable when he's on a public uh, stage with right. an audience all joking. Yeah, he'll, be, like, he'll, be blocking hmm. our email. he'll be blocking our email exactly. later. It's like, exactly. yeah. You what was that? IndyCast at Gmail? Block that. Yeah, Chad, I'll fight you any day. Click, click, click. No, no, no. What's I'm it? always I'm always down to play. That's why I love doing, you know, I do these videos where I where I play, you know, they're pre-recorded and I play, but then once a week I try to do a live stream. And I just love yeah. that people come into the into the chat and they're commenting on the matches and they're, you know, uh and even if it's just 10 people, it's great, you know. It's Amazing. a lot of fun. So I love playing the game and I'll gladly play it anytime. Excellent. Okay. 
So challenge accepted then. Everybody look out for that. I'll, I'll work on planning that. It'll go up on, especially for those of you following my IndyCast Maximus TikTok, I'm sure clips of it will go up on there. So get ready for it. <laughs> um, well, uh, once again, thank you for joining us on the IndyCast. Uh, it, it's, it's been a blast having you on. And boy, boy, did this interview go in ways I don't think any of us expected to. So that's awesome. Uh, until next time, everybody, uh, for you wrestling nerds out there listening, I am, as always, Chad Allen. I am Zach Romero. And until next time, everybody, as we always say, deuces. Hope I don't poop today. You're Achilles Mulligan. A jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners do. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Love dick. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.